0: Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us here on Twitter Spaces, our podcast and other platforms for our discussion on water supply and conservation efforts, which we're hearing a lot about lately. I'm Nancy Byrne, producer with the City of Las Vegas. I think we all know Southern Nevada is nearly fully reliant on the Colorado River to meet the community's water demand. And on August 16th of 2021, the federal government prompted by the low water levels in Lake Mead issued a water shortage declaration on the Colorado River. In January of 2022, Southern Nevada's water allocation was reduced by 7 billion gallons, enough water to serve 45,000 homes. Now, Before we panic, the good news is that thanks to strong water conservation efforts Southern Nevada has achieved over the last 25 years, our area already uses less water than the new allocation, which was reduced. We are now allowed 279,000 acre-feet instead of 300,000, and last year we used 255,000. So we're already ahead of the game. Let's get to our speakers. Joining us today... Colby Pellegrino. She's the Deputy General Manager of Resources for the Southern Nevada Water Authority and the Las Vegas Valley Water District. She has served as an instrumental part of the Water Resources Division, supporting Colorado River modeling efforts to anticipate changes caused by climate change, reduced flows, and other inputs. There was just a news story about that um, yesterday and today, so we'll be talking about that. Um, in her current capacity, she's responsible for the management of the Water Authority's water resource portfolio, which includes protecting Nevada's interests and rights to the Colorado River water through interstate negotiations, developing regional water conservation programs, managing groundwater resources, and water resource planning busy woman. <laughs> we also have with us Marco Vallada. He is with the city's Office of Sustainability. He helped develop the 2050 Master Plan, which addresses long-term growth, continued water conservation, and additional drought recommendations that reduce consumption to less than 100 gallons per person per day over the next 30 years. We're really lucky to have both of these individuals with us today to share their team's efforts in helping Keep that precious resource running and uh, keeping up with water conservation efforts. So, thank you both for being here.
1: Thanks for having us, Nancy. Yep. Thank you, Nancy.
0: It is our pleasure. Colby, we're going to start with you. With a federally declared shortage on the Colorado River, discuss the current state of Southern Nevada's water supply. Everyone's very worried.
1: Sure. So I think there is reason that everybody should be paying attention to what goes on on the Colorado River, in particular because our community gets 90% of its supply from the Colorado River, so a vitally important resource here in Southern Nevada. Um, What's happening this year is we are, for the first time ever, operating in a federally declared shortage. That means that our allocation of water, as you mentioned, Nancy, has been reduced from 300,000 acres feet per year, down to 279,000 acre feet per year. Um, the good news is these shortages are a reduction in the amount of water we're allowed to use on the river, not from our current consumption. So in 2020, our consumption was 255,000 acre-feet of water. In 2021, it was actually 242,000 acre-feet of water. Um, so what the current shortage means to this community is we have less Extra water left over at the end of the year. Um, However, it is indicative that Colorado River is changing. We have been severely impacted by climate change and drought. And as Lake Mead continues to decline, we can expect shortages to increase. So it's a great time to remind the community to be out there saving water every way that they can.
0: Colby, uh, so let's talk about that a little bit because. Southern Nevada does recycle almost all of its water, 99% water used indoors, thereby extending the availability of our resources. But can you please share what types of water can be recycled and how that process works?
1: Sure. So Las Vegas is a fairly young community developed primarily on centralized sewer systems. And because of our geography, we're adjacent to Lake Mead. Our valley naturally slopes in that direction. The Las Vegas Wash naturally drains to Lake Mead. We collect all of the sewer water in the valley, treat it um, to a very high level and return it back to Lake Mead. Every drop of water that we return back to Lake Mead does not count against our allocation of Colorado River water. So what really matters to this community when we talk about water conservation is the places that we're using water consumptively. Those places where After the water's being used, it's not hitting a drain and returning to Lake Mead. And really, there's three primary areas, landscaping, evaporative cooling. Um, So those are things like a swamp cooler is one most people are familiar with, but large um, properties use cooling towers that use a significant amount of water. And a septic tank. So there are quite a few areas in the valley where septic tanks are still really prolific because um, infrastructure was not there at the time they were developed. And those areas are completely using, um, consumptively using all of their uses. But for the most part, anything that they, you're using indoor is captured in the sewer system and highly treated by one of our wastewater agencies in return to Lake Mead, where we can withdraw that same drop of water again.
0: Perfect. Um, Marco, uh, with the City of um, Sustainability's Office of S- Sustainability. Marco, the city is doing its part to conserve water. What have we already done to help?
2: Yeah, thanks, Nancy. You know, as Colby mentioned, you know, we're primarily responsible for that wastewater treatment process and getting the sewer water back out to the Las Vegas Wash and through the wetlands and out to Lake Mead to get us that uh, return flow credit that uh, helps extend our supply. So that's one of the the big things that the city has been doing for some time now. But even beyond that, uh, more than a decade ago, we Began a concerted effort to replace non-functional turf at our parks and our facilities, and it, we're kind of at the, you know, in the middle of the drought at that point. But we recognize that many of our sports fields have turf, and because of routine wear and tear, they're very expensive to operate. And given our water costs, we made an early decision to remove turf and replace it with artificial turf. So now many of our uh, sports fields have a more durable product that doesn't require regular irrigation. You know, places like All-American Park, Calixaire on our west side, uh, Freedom Park in East Las Vegas, uh, the Viper lacrosse fields in Centennial Hills. Uh, many of those are, are good examples of, uh, of fields that have dual use, you know, football, lacrosse, uh, and and other uh, uh, playing activities. Um, we've also converted uh, a lot of our medians and our landscaping strips along city streets to drought-tolerant xeriscaping, uh, and in many cases that's helped reduce water consumption uh, for cities. And and we do require those in certain parts of town like Summerlin and Centennial Hills uh, as a part of new development. So we're making sure that we don't have turf there, and we're continuing to go back and, and get places where there might be turf that's there now and at some point in the future, uh, get get some of that turf out of there and replace it with uh, with landscaping that's uh, that's more desert oriented. But many of those places, we have to make sure that we plant drought tolerant shade trees because it's important that we have those to keep summer temperatures down for the community and ensure that we don't further exacerbate the urban heat island effect that really impacts this uh, central part of the city. And then lastly, uh, we've built a number of new water efficient green buildings, uh, including. Where we're here, uh, you know, broadcasting here now, our city hall, uh, we have four new fire stations and our new municipal courthouse, and those water conserving buildings have helped us save billions of gallons of water uh, in the years since uh, we we built them. And then when you put that together with the park ir- irrigation and all the conservation efforts that we've done outdoors, we you know we were using about one and a half billion gallons of water in 2008. And this last year, we we cut that from down 300 million gallons less than we were at our peak. So we're really happy with what we've done, and uh, we're going to continue on uh, with with uh, those types of measures.
0: And this all, again, is part of the 2050 plan, which Marco had a big hand in. You know, we look around and we, we, we do realize that Las Vegas is becoming home to a lot of new businesses and residents, and, and growth is good. But with that growth comes concerns about water supplies. So, Colby, How does the Southern Nevada Water Authority balance water supplies and water demands, especially with the amount of economic development we see in the valley? I know there was a new code change in 2004 for new construction, no grass in front yards and only 50 percent in backyards, for example. But I know there are a lot of things that the um, Water Authority is doing to try and stay ahead of this.
1: Thanks, Nancy. You know, conservation is a journey, it's not a destination. Um, And our conservation programs are always evolving. Um, You know, I think, like any program where we have to institute change, we start with some of the low hanging fruit. And so, our conservation programs that we see today really ramped up in the early 2000s, coincident with the onset of the current drought that we're experiencing. At that time, 2002, we were overusing our Colorado River allocation. Um, We actually pulled 325,000 acre-feet of water from the Colorado River in 2002 to use in this valley. Since that time, we've actually added 850,000 people to the valley, and today we use... Uh, uh, like I mentioned, 2021, 242,000 acre-feet of water. Um, So we've made remarkable gains in conservation, and we sort of have a bifurcated approach to that. Uh, Once we've identified really a conservation change that makes sense for this valley, uh, we tend to do two things. We implement it as a requirement in the building and development code going forward. And then we use incentive programs to generally change behavior um, and incentivize changes for things that have already happened. So the most notable thing that we can point to is our turf removal program. So we pay currently $3 a square foot for um, homeowners and businesses to remove turf from their properties. And replace it with water smart landscaping, just like Marco was talking about, all those great conversions that the city has done. And we did at that time pair it up with new development code that said no grass in the front yard very limited turf in the backyard and also said we're not allowed to. you know there's no reason that an office park needs grass and so we made a lot of those changes two years ago we went back um, because not everyone is as concerned about water as we are and we were still seeing these really strange things called parks Um, so that new development had grass in areas where it shouldn't have been like the entrance to the community where there's four lanes of traffic and no one is letting their children play um, was being called a park in order to have grass there so we went and firmed that up even tighter uh, so that it really makes it very clear um, where that turf is acceptable and where it's not and we've sort of continued to evolve in that way our board actually just recently passed a resolution saying, you know what from this point forward it really doesn't make sense to continue to have turf except in schools, parks, and cemeteries and so We're constantly using this approach of um, incentivizing stuff that already exists to change and then using development code where appropriate to ensure that we're growing responsibly. We sort of take all that information together and make water demand forecasts based upon our conservation progress. And we turn that into a water resource plan that gets updated and reviewed by our board of directors every single year. We use the latest climate science data, um, Colorado River projections, and demand forecasts for the valley to look out 50 years and make sure that the water resources we have for this community allow us to be sustainable into the future.
0: Oh Well, thank you, Colby. And that leads really well into um, kind of a last-minute question. We saw a news story discussing snowpack and how that influences the flows of the Colorado River and the levels in Lake Mead. Um, And I know that they take into consideration such things as weight and and the fact that we're 80% of normal right now, which doesn't sound bad, but because of the drought, when the snow does begin to melt, it kind of soaks into the soil instead of running into the river. Marco, I'm going to direct that question at you, but Colby, if you would like to um, add anything as well, um, can you talk about snowpack and where it needs to be and how we measure the future of that flow.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, snowpack in the Colorado Rockies is essential for the Colorado River system as a whole. Uh, and we need that um that snowpack to be in the triple digits in terms of the uh the amount that's that's there in a in a given year. We need to make sure that as it melts it's you know releasing that water content that, uh ultimately makes its way downstream and into lake powell and then into lake mead and and beyond um it, you know along the way you know a lot of things can can happen with that uh, you know it can be lost uh in, in in just in terms of runoff it can be lost through evaporation um and, and that's a function of just the climate of the desert Southwest you know there's there's some things that uh you know that that are going to be out of our control with respect to that. So, you know, the more snowpack that we have in the Colorado river basin itself, uh, in particular in the Rockies, uh, in, in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, um, and, and high quality, uh, uh, snowpack that has a lot of water content that will, um, that will turn into runoff that, you know, fills our reservoirs. That ultimately is what uh, what we want, and we want to make sure that those percentages are well above normal in a given year. And given some of the, the recent years that we've had and some of our snow seasons, uh, it, it's been looking kind of grim, and that's uh, how we've uh, found ourselves in the position that we're in.
1: And and I would just add on, I think it's a position that we see manifesting in the future. Um, There's not a single climate scientist that I've ran into that will tell you the future of the Colorado River is the same in the past as it was in the past. Um, It's going to be hotter and drier. And uh, despite having some really decent snowpack, those warmer temperatures cause the snow to melt sooner. Uh, They cause it to evaporate more. They cause our plants to and trees, the natural environment, to start using water earlier. We call that the growing season is extending, um, both for for agriculture and for the natural environment. Um, And then those hotter temperatures really dry out the soil in the summers. And that means that that huge natural environment is a giant sponge the next time we get snowpack. So what we see is throughout time our runoff efficiency is actually decreasing, which is the difference between the amount of snowpack that we're getting and the amount of inflow that's actually creating in the reservoir. Um, so it's it's really an interesting um matchup of conditions that are going to make it even harder for those good snowpack years to really do what we need to do in the Colorado River.
0: Okay, thank you, Colby. Um, Marco, the 2050 Master Plan, which we referred to a little earlier, addresses long-term growth and continued water conservation efforts. Could you share some of the drought recommendations in the plan to reduce consumption to less than 100 gallons per person per day over the next 30 years, which sounds like kind of a lot, but it's still something we need to keep an eye on.
2: So our 2050 Master Plan is the city's 30-year vision of the future, and it was developed to intentionally align with SNWA's work. And we took care to ensure that our long-term outcomes were in line with their water resource plan and with existing and upcoming conservation efforts that Colby alluded to. So the plan does anticipate, uh, in, in line with UNLVs and some other regional estimates, that will receive about another 300,000 new residents in the city of Las Vegas itself, and uh, about another million in Southern Nevada as a whole. And the question we frequently get is, of course, is Is there gonna be enough water for all those new residents? And the answer is yes, but we have to con- keep doing what we've been doing over the past uh, two decades, and we need to you know, take that uh, those efforts and extend them forward so that we are conserving below 100 gallons per person per day more, more or less 90 or even 85 gallons per person per day so some of what plays into that is where water is used and and most of that's in the single family residential setting so making sure turf is removed at existing developments and ensuring that it isn't put in at new ones i mean those are things that have certainly helped but uh, we need to carry those those forward Next, um, the plan really envisions concentrating high-density residential growth along major transit-oriented arterial corridors and in downtown Las Vegas. And with the correct type of density and building types, you know, mixed-use residential and commercial buildings are much more water-efficient. They tend to not have as much landscaping and they don't typically require a chiller or other form of evaporative cooling. Uh, Again, as Colby had mentioned earlier, uh, those are things that we want to make sure that we uh, reduce and or eliminate. Um, So looking forward, we're going to continue implementing the plan uh, and guide growth with SNWA's drought conservation recommendations in mind, including an upcoming uh, drought-tolerant tree ordinance, changes to our own development code, uh, and then further capital improvement projects to our own facilities that address water conservation, and that, and that at the heart is what the 2050 plan is is about. It's it's bringing together all these issues, whether they're they're water related with development, with uh, with housing. I mean, they all play a, uh, they all play a part, and they're all interrelated together. And uh, we want to have a plan that uh, that solves all of those different problems together.
0: All right, Colby, the Southern Nevada Water Authority also has some new conservation efforts that are being implemented. Can you tell us more about these efforts and when residents can start seeing them go into effect so they can follow them?
1: I think the biggest thing that has happened recently is the passage of Assembly Bill 356. So that actually doesn't affect our single family homeowners, but it is a law that requires the removal of non functional turf by the year 2027. So we estimate that there's um, several thousand acres of non-functional turf in the valley. This is not the turf that soccer games are being played on or um, that your children are using at school during PE. Um, Non-functional turf is turf that really has primarily aesthetic purposes and is not providing a recreational benefit to the valley. Uh, One really easy way to know if it's non-functional turf is if the only person walking on that turf is the landscaper, it's not serving a function that is necessary here in the desert southwest. So that requires businesses to take out that turf by 2027. Um, And we are just now ramping up um, our communications on that as our board um, recently finalized the definitions directed by the legislature and supported by the Citizens Advisory Committee that we convened. The other things that are going on um, are things that we have kind of been touching on um, for for quite a long time. And that's remembering as a homeowner to take out useless grass if you have some. Um, change that sprinkler clock. Um, we have a rebate program for... Getting a smart water clock that you can change from your cell phone makes things tremendously easier. Fix and report leaks. A lot of people don't know that they have leaks, particularly if their sprinkler system runs when they're not home. Uh, So, we find that most customers, when they get their warning from us that they have um, a leak or a broken sprinkler head, they repair it without us having to intervene at all any further. Um, So, some of the things that we've been doing for years are really um, the most effective things to continue doing. forward.
0: That's really interesting you bring this up because people are wondering how they can help. There was also a suggestion that maybe when your sprinklers are going on, you actually go out and monitor them and see if maybe uh, there is saturation and it starts to run off sooner than you would expect. So you can adjust your clocks um, to eliminate that problem. Um, So thank you, Colby, for giving us some tips on how we as individuals and homeowners can step up and help. How will these efforts help, the larger effort? the larger effort by all of us. And can you give us some information on where people can go for uh, water smart landscaping, rebate programs, and of course, where to go if you want to report some water waste, Colby?
1: Sure. So SNWA's website, www.snwa.com, is you know a one-stop resource for all of these things. Um, water waste reporting is actually done um, by the water purveyor. So City of Henderson, North Las Vegas, or the Las Vegas Valley Water District all have apps and ways to report water waste on their websites as well. Um, but All of these things matter and um, just to put some numbers behind it, you know, changing your watering clock is one of the most meaningful things people can do, whether you have desert landscaping or whether you have turf in your yard. Our plants use significantly less water in the winter than they do in the summer. And we find that looking at that water resources, we only have about 60% compliance with the watering schedule that's published today. If we were to bump that up um, an achievable amount, not even getting to 100%, we could save somewhere in the range of 10% of the water that we use from the Colorado River each and every year. So doing your part to just get out there and change Change your clock is super meaningful to our overall water supply picture, particularly as Lake Mead's elevation continues to decline. Changing the clock doesn't sound like a big
0: difference, but you just (laughs) proved that it actually is. Um, So before we wrap up, is there anything else either one of you would like to share with our audience?
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd say definitely this is one of those things that it takes every single one of us uh, and there's little things that we can do to conserve water, whether that's uh, wh- whether that's personally, or if you're a homeowner, or if you're a business, uh, if you live in an apartment, if you live in a, in a home, uh, anything that you can do to conserve water, go to snwa.com. And, uh, and visit us uh, at, at lasvegasnevada.gov sustainability for additional water uh, conserving tips. Uh, and we're going to be continuing to do uh, public outreach uh, with respect to water conservation as we go forward implementing our 2050 master plan. So stay tuned for, uh, for that information if you're interested in, uh, in helping conserve water.
1: All right.
0: Thank you, Marco Colby. Any final words for us?
1: Yeah, I would just say I'm going to sound like a broken record. Um, Change your watering clock right now. We should be at three days a week watering um, until we hit that uh, summer change. Replace unused grass and put in a water smart landscape. Save yourself some water and some money and report water waste and leaks. Um, Help us find those. If you're a business Um, and you have non-functional turf on your property, get on um, figuring out how to replace that and make sure you're planning for that 2027 deadline. Um, But really, I agree with everything Marco said. This is a community-wide effort. Um, We live in the desert southwest. We're the driest large metropolitan city in the United States, and we really have an obligation to use water as wisely as possible.
0: All right. Thank you both, Colby and Marco, for being with us today to answer these questions on a very important topic on Southern Nevada and the city's continued efforts to conserve water. And to all of you who have been listening, thank you so very much for being with us and have a great day.